0: Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Educational AD Podcast. You know, we couldn't do these without the incredible support of our sponsors. And we want to take a moment to say thank you to all of them. First, thanks to our diamond sponsor, Varsity Brands, including BSN, Varsity Spirit, and Hearth Jones. Varsity Brands, elevating student experiences in sport, spirit, and achievement. We also want to thank our Platinum sponsors, including Ephesus Lighting, innovating a brighter future at every level, Gipper, sports graphics made incredibly simple, Vital Signs, bring student achievements to life, Hometown Ticketing, simple and easy online ticketing, and Camp Mobile, where leaders communicate better. Thanks, To all of our great sponsors. Welcome back, everyone, to the Educational AD podcast. Our guest today is David Marlowe. David is a certified master athletic administrator. He's the director of athletics at Mount Mansfield Union High School in Erico, Vermont. He's also very active at the state level. Uh, He's currently the professional development coordinator and the conference coordinator for the Vermont Athletic Directors Association. David, welcome to the podcast.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, Jake. Glad to be on. Yeah,
0: we're excited to hear what's going on up in your neck of the woods. So let's get started. We always like to let our listeners have a chance to get to know our guests. So tell us a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, where you went to school, and maybe how your love of athletics led to your current position.
1: Yeah, so I grew up about 10 minutes from the Canadian border in northern Vermont, Um, so north. Um, And uh, and I, you know, I guess I grew up in a family that are all educators. Uh, My dad's been an athletic director actually for 35 plus years um, in Vermont at two different schools. um, And... As my wife found out when we were going through my childhood memory box that my mom kept and gave us uh, back in second grade, I had said I wanted to be an athletic director when I grew up. So it's something that I kind of had in my blood and kind of knew I wanted to do from uh, from an early age. Um, You know, I went to high school, three sport athlete, three point nine GPA student. uh, Really tried to focus on the academic piece. uh, Got into a bunch of different colleges. I uh, really liked uh, St. Michael's College, which is a liberal arts school right here in Vermont, Division II. Uh, played on the soccer team there for two years, and then decided I had to focus on my academics more than the athletic piece because I wasn't going to make it uh, as a professional soccer player. <laughs> so uh, leaving college, I, uh, I had an elementary school, elementary education background with a history double major, and um, actually was a kindergarten teacher for the first six years. Um, Absolutely loved it, um, had a great time being able to mold young minds and have everyone be so enthusiastic about school and coming in every day and being a male kindergarten teacher. Um, I was one of two males in the entire elementary school building, so the influence I was able to have on these kids over, you know, the course of six years is pretty cool. Um, also served as an assistant principal there for the last two years, so it's kind of a double role. It was a small school, one, one uh, class per grade, um, K through eight, so you know two hallways, primary on one end, middle school on the other side, with a gym slash cafeteria connecting the middle. Um, then this job at Mount Mansfield opened up nine years ago, and I applied and received the job, and it's kind of been full throttle ever since.
0: I always love to hear the uh, the stories and the journey of each uh, individual AD. That's uh, not a common. Um, uh, position, uh, kindergarten instructor and uh, principal of the school. That that must have been interesting.
1: Yeah, it was uh, it was interesting. It was more you know as an assistant principal at a K through eight school, you're dealing more with the discipline piece mm-hmm. than anything else. And then if the principal is not there, then you're the one that they kind of come to. But um, yeah, the kindergarten the kindergarten position I think helped make me the educator I am today in terms of being able to effectively communicate and be organized. Um, you know, if you're going walking into a class of 25 year olds and you're not communicating correctly or not organized, then it's going to be a long day.
0: Oh, no, absolutely. Uh, you can't walk into those lower uh, grade levels they <laughs> All right, kids, read chapter 12, and I'll get back to you in 30 minutes. That's it, it, not going to work, okay?
1: Yeah, exactly. You can only have nap time for so long.
0: Now, um, a, a long time ago on my journey, uh, I actually spent a year in Vermont. Uh, I was the um, offense coordinator and head track coach at Norwich University mm-hmm. uh, back in the 90s. So uh, I'm familiar with a little bit of Vermont's geography. Where about is uh, Mount Mansfield compared to? Northfield, Vermont. Uh,
1: It's northeast of Northfield. Um, It's about maybe an hour to hour and 15 minutes northeast of Northfield. Um, We are tucked in between, we're about 15 miles east of Burlington, which would be our largest city Um, in between Bolton Valley Ski Resort and Smugglers Notch Ski Resort. We always like to say that, you know, we end up getting more snow than anyone else. And our fields usually aren't dried out until the end, you know, April break, the end of April. So
0: we tend to get a lot. I remember the year that we were there; uh, the first snow was like October uh, (laughs) tenth, and then uh, the last uh, snow, about six inches, was on May twelfth, the day I got back from the national D three track meet. So, uh, yeah, a lot of snow up there. Yes. Um. David, in our profession, we always talk about the importance of mentorship and leadership. And uh, I'd like to know, you know, who are some of your mentors, you know, growing up? I'm going to guess, you know, probably your dad uh, as an AD, certainly on that list. But uh, um, who are some of the people whose voices you still hear in your head uh, when you're talking with a coach or maybe a kid?
1: Yeah, I would definitely say my biggest mentor is, is my dad. Um, you know, I went to the same high school. He was an AD, and he actually was my varsity soccer coach as well at the time. Um, so, uh, you know, I pretty much any type of lesson I've learned, I've, I've learned through him or by him, um, both good and bad. And, um, you know, the other, the other big influence I have is actually my cousin who lives in Tallahassee or now in um, Orlando, but was in Tallahassee for a while. Um, also a Florida State alum. I know, Jake, you're, I believe, a Florida State fan, and uh, as am I for uh, for football at least. And um, he uh, he's influenced me. He's like an older brother to me. He's six years older than I am. I come with uh, – I have three brothers, um, and I'm the oldest of three. So I didn't have an older brother, and he kind of took me under his wing as, uh, as my older brother. And he's a very successful um, – financial advisor down in Florida and he helps with the leadership department um, for his company. And so he and I chat on a pretty regular basis talking different, you know, leadership things and, and videos or, or quotes or, or something that we see that can motivate each other. Um, and I would say he, besides my dad, he would be my biggest influence um, and mentor that I have and look up to Um And as you know, there's obviously mentors around the country now through the NIAAA that I've had the fortunate opportunity to meet through my roles um, within the association, you know, and Doug Kilgore comes to mind. I had, I brought Doug up to Vermont. Um, He had never tasted real maple syrup before. And by real maple syrup, we mean Vermont maple syrup. And, you know, and so we gave him some real maple syrup to try for the first time and uh with his pancakes and during breakfast and you know he and i he's been a good mentor for me in my role as a state coordinator um and just trying to help me out with different things um you know rich rich barton from utah is another one that i've been able to kind of try to model my my professional development around um So I think, you know, we're lucky in the position that we are that we get to serve as a mentor for many of our athletes um, throughout the state that we work in, but it's also nice to have those mentors around the country that we can rely on and kind of call on uh, when we need someone to talk to.
0: Oh, without question, you know the networking that uh, is available through NIAAA is just fantastic, and uh, you know I actually uh, currently have the privilege of working with both Rich and Doug on a new um, LTI course, uh, partnering with Parents. So, uh, you know, a couple of really great guys. Um, you talk about professional development. Let's go down that path. Uh, we have a lot of uh, younger athletic directors that listen to the show, and I think it's important to uh, talk about the journey. Uh, with LTI and certification. So just talk a little bit about how you got involved with your state association, uh, leading to your CAA, and then uh, tell us about your CMAA project.
1: you Still there? Yeah, so um, I came in obviously with, with quite a few of my my dad's friends as ADs throughout the state. So I had a lot of mentors that I could talk to within the state of Vermont. Um, And like every state, we had a high turnover for a while. And a lot of those older ADs retired and and new ones stepped in. So there were roles and opportunities that I had um, an opportunity to kind of take over. And the one thing that I took over that I was passionate about was our state conference coordinator position, Um, because I feel like that's the best piece of PD work that we have in the state of Vermont. Um, we offer five courses, five LTI classes. We bring in presenters from around the country. We, you know, it's a three-day event that is small enough that we get to hang out and see each other, but it's also large enough where we, we get to learn a lot more to bring back to our schools and within our state. Um, you know, so I, I've always been kind of goal-oriented um, from an early age. And so my goal was when I took this when I took this position at Mount Mansfield was to become a CAA as quickly as I could, um, which obviously was a two-year waiting period and so forth like that. But I had all the I took all the courses I needed to do. I, I did all the work um, that was that was entailed in that. Took the CAA exam at the national conference in Orlando, um, and I remember getting my certificate in the mail or plaque in the mail on Christmas Eve and was absolutely thrilled because I had no idea if I had passed or not. Um, Now with the computer test, it makes it a little easier. So uh, in terms of CMAA, that was my next goal. And that was my ultimate goal, selfishly, because that's what my dad was. And I knew how important it was to the association. Um, And getting into the state coordinator position, I also knew there was only seven or eight ADs in the state of Vermont at the time that had a CMAA. Um, And for me, I felt like that could be a way I can start to distinguish who I am and and what my values and my beliefs are um, within Mount Mansfield and within the state. So I did my project on the changes and um, goals I have surrounding our state conference um, and how we've raised the attendance um, every year. How we're able to bring in more national speakers and nationally recognized groups and organizations to come and talk to our association. And how we've grown from having offering two or three classes to now offering five to six on a regular basis um, every year for an association that only has roughly 70 ADs in it. Um, being able to offer those that number of courses spread out amongst two days is valuable for some of those ADs who aren't able to make it to the nationals or to take a spring webinar. Um, because of other responsibilities.
0: Well, absolutely. And uh, again, congratulations on developing and expanding on that program. Uh, for our listeners, we're recording this on March 16th and uh, you know, Florida has its uh, annual state conference coming up uh, April 30th through March 3rd. So uh, maybe if you want to escape those uh, snow flurries up there, come on down to uh, Orlando again, and uh, you know, we'll see if we can get you to teach a class or something.
1: That would be nice. Actually, our conference is uh, the 28th to the 30th, so ours is coming up. We're doing ours virtually, though, because we're not, our gathering size is still, for the um, state requirement, is still low, so we're not unable to meet in person yet.
0: Well, I'm sure you're still going to have a great uh, conference, great experience. David, one of the things we like to do with the podcast is this idea of sharing best practices, so you know, you've been at Mount Mansfield for several years now, um, done an outstanding job. What are some initiatives, you know, they could have been there before and you've enhanced them, or maybe they're ones that you started. What are some things that your coaches do, that your program does, that when you look at it, you can say with equal parts uh, pride and humility, boy, we do this better than anybody else. What are some best practices that you can share with us?
1: So a couple of years ago, Dabo Sweeney had a thing, um, a saying that he used the Clemson football, which kills me at being a Florida State fan, but uh, best is the standard. And John Gordon talks a lot about that in some of his, his literature. I took best as the standard and kind of made it into MMU philosophy, athletic philosophy, uh, meaning belief, enthusiasm, and excellence, uh, service to others, and toughness. And that could be mental or physical toughness. Um, you know, and, and our coaches instill those uh, core values to our in their athletes throughout the season. Uh, to continue with the education-based athletics, you know, wins and losses are great, but at the end of the day, we want our student athletes to have a positive, um, positive athletic experience within the community, um, and to serve as role models for those younger younger athletes throughout the five towns that we serve. Um so that's been one one initiative that we've kind of taken under our wing. Um, you know, and every every level team, no matter if it's a freshman, um JV or varsity, gives out a best as a standard t-shirt at the end of every season to their student or student athlete who isn't necessarily the best athlete, but it's the athlete that best represents those core values of the athletic department. Um you know, the other thing that is really special and unique at MMU Um, And I'm completely biased about this, but it's the sense of community and enthusiasm within the community for our athletic programs. Um, You know, before this year where there's no spectators at any winter event that we have, uh, you know, it would not be uncommon to come in on a Wednesday night or a Friday night and see 300 students in the gym, packing the gym to support their boys or girls basketball team. you know, and as a school size of about 750, 300 students, that's almost half the population. That's, a, you know, it's a great student turnout. Um, you know, the signs that we get throughout the town wishing teams good luck when they make it to the state championship game or if they're going to the state semifinal game. Um, you know, it's that whole sense of community and enthusiasm that um, makes Cougar Nation what 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 we are and what, how we're special. Um, <clears throat> the other big initiative that we started when I first got here was I'm a big swag guy. I love getting our brand out hats, t-shirts, scarves, whatever. Um, Because I think the more you get your brand out, the more your logo then is is seen throughout the community. And it's something that kids aspire to wear or aspire to be like, Um, you know, so it's youth. It starts. I have three younger boys. Uh, My wife and I just had our third three weeks ago. Um, Congratulations. <laughs> yes, thank you. But my six-year-old and my four-year-old, they have more Cougar gear than I think any, anyone ever would imagine. And, you know, and in doing that, we then are able to get gear and swag out to kids um, at camps or, you know, at, at, within schools for, for different um, experiences that we are able to provide for them. Um, and it allows them to feel part of, our, of what we do up here at the high school. Um, our winter athletes or our winter fans, we do a fan shirt for our students, um, during winter events. And what that shirt does, it's a one-time fee. You get a white t-shirt and you wear that shirt to your game, to the games and you get into every game for free for, throughout the winter. Um, and so when you get the different, and it's a different shirt every year with a different logo. The, uh, last year, our, our theme was you are loved and it was around mental health and we're, pushing mental health hard within our athletes. We have a mental health awareness club um, in the high school that's been around for about three years now. We do mental health awareness games every season with, our, with each individual sport um, to show the importance of mental health within our athletes and within our community, as well as the importance of not being afraid to stand up and speak about your mental health. Um, and I think that's huge um, in today's society, society in particular the one kind of silver lining in this whole COVID era has been the amount of mental health awareness within our students and in general, while being remote or hybrid learning or not being able to have seasons canceled and not being able to play. The, the mental health of our athletes and our students and within our buildings, I think is vital. Um, you know, As I said to someone four years ago in Vermont, the big push was around concussions concussion awareness and cpr first aid i think mental health is as important if not more important than those two factors for the simple reason if you're not doing well and you are afraid to speak up that's going to affect you more in your daily life than than anything else and i think being able to be an open space and an open community and a loving caring community is awesome so to see 300 kids last winter wearing you are love t-shirts in the crowd you know and wearing them not even thinking about it i is is a message that we want the community to see you know on a daily basis
0: oh yeah it sounds like you've really created a great culture there you know kids coaches and fans and uh going back to your first one uh i love that best is the standard uh four simple words but you know that says it all great stuff um you mentioned um COVID and we've been asking our athletic directors uh, as we are, you know, pretty much one year uh, into, you know, having to deal with COVID. Um, We've been asking ADs to kind of share, you know, what's been happening uh, over the past year. Um, How have you and your school and how has Vermont, as a state responded to, you know, return to play as well as return to school? Uh, Can you tell us what's going on?
1: Yeah, it's actually I believe today for Vermont is the one year anniversary of going fully starting fully remote last spring. Um, But uh, in either case, it's been it's it's been a struggle at times, you know, I'm I'm the type of person personally that likes to have my ducks in a row, the a type personality, everything organized for the season well in advance. Um, And this has been hard, Uh, the unknowns. The, every time the phone rings, you're wondering, oh, man, someone tests positive, and now we get a quarantine, or there's who's so-and-so close contact. When was the last time they tested? Um, you know, I think the state has done a nice job. Um, <clears throat> it's been different, but I'm glad to see the kids are out there, you know, and participating this fall. Uh, the season was delayed by about a month before we were able to start practicing. Uh, football was 7v7 touch, so it was completely different. Uh, You know, and that was a push by some of our coaches to get that 7v7 because they were talking about eliminating it altogether this fall. And we just, we wanted to see something was better than nothing. (laughs) Um, You know, and so 7v7 touch came across a lot of criticism early from a lot of people. um, And rightfully so. It's different. It's not, it's not the same. You know, you saw some programs really suffered in terms of numbers. Um, because the kids didn't want to play some programs thrived because now there's no contact. And, you know, at the end of the day, when you get the two teams on the field, they were competing and, you know, whether they're, you know, getting in the trenches and and hitting each other every play, or if they're just playing 77 touch, they're competing on a daily basis. Um, And it allowed an opportunity for those kids, especially the seniors who lost a spring sport as, as a junior and then would lose a, f- a potential fall sport as a senior, that would be devastating. So it allowed them an opportunity to play. <clears throat> the other big uh, modification we had this fall was that everyone had to wear a mask for every practice and every game. So athletes wearing masks the entire time. The only exception were the cross-country runners. Um, they could have their mask off while they were competing um, during a, during a race. But no matter soccer, field hockey, football, golf, everyone was in masks this fall. Um, And volleyball went from being an indoor sport this fall to being an outdoor sport, which had its own challenges um, in terms of weather. But our, you know, our, our girls played a pseudo state championship game in the middle of October when the weather was about mm, roughly 20 degrees, you know, very different than being indoors and then in 75 degree gym, but they were able to play a pseudo championship game, um, you know, on a turf field and, and, and get to compete in, at the highest level, which, you know, ultimately is the ultimate goal. You
0: know um I, I did see this year that there were a couple of States that mandated masks on athletes during games. Uh, and I guess I'm just curious. I know you're not a, a public health official, so you don't have these statistics <laughs> at your fingertips. But um, what what was your perception? Did you have uh, cases where you had to quarantine or or infections with the uh, the masks during competition? You know, was it I guess was it better having them wear the
1: masks? We had zero we had zero issues with the masks this fall. We we had no games canceled due to quarantining. We didn't have a single close contact in the fall. I mean, Vermont's numbers this fall were exceptional. Um, if you were to go back and take a look, I think our high in the fall was maybe like 100 people and that's a lot for us um, for positive cases, but it's very minimal compared to everybody else. Um, you know, we turned to the winter season and we usually start at the end of uh, November, the first Monday after Thanksgiving, winter sports were, were slated to begin practices. We did not start until basically the new year Um, until January. And then competition just started at the end of January. Um, And that includes basketball, hockey, and both Nordic and Alpine skiing. Um, You know, we had uh, wrestling was canceled this winter, um, as well as indoor track. And the reason for indoor track being canceled is strictly the facilities we use are the, the local colleges, University of Vermont, Middlebury, Norwich, And they weren't allowing anyone in their facilities. So there was not a facility that could hold indoor track meet. um, As the high schools don't have those types of facilities up here. So, so that sport was canceled um, as well. Now, some schools provided opportunities for their kids. I know we had a local high school that had competitions within their, within their own high school, um, doing different events at a local gym and so forth. So there are opportunities that, that were given for some of these athletes. I will say the winter has been harder than the spring or the fall, sorry. Um, You know, we've had at one point, I think eight out of the 13 division two hockey programs were on pause, um, either because of close contact or because of positive cases. We've had three or four hockey programs have to cancel the remaining of their season right at the start of the playoffs because of positive cases. Um, But I mean, everyone's doing their best and, I don't think a lot of those are transmission through sport i think a lot of it is happening outside of the the venue the athletic venue and then it gets brought into the athletic venue if that makes sense Um, but there are also high school kids and they you know they want to live their lives and i think that's a risk that you take
0: well it's also winter and people are indoors close contacts um, as you said outside of sports so well, continued success uh, as you uh, get into uh, spring, whenever spring ends up arriving. And, uh, <laughs> and on, okay? Dave, another question we've been asking the ads uh, revolves around the idea of social awareness, uh, social justice, if you will. And my question is this: You know, what are some things that you think athletic directors can do a better job of? in this area of social awareness with their kids, their coaches, their communities? What can we do better?
1: I think we need to listen. I think we need to be able to listen um, and put our biases aside. You know, I think everyone has implicit biases, um, whether we want to agree with it or not. And I think being able to, to listen to our athletes and listen to the community, um, and, and do what's best for, for everyone as a whole, and not just for individual people, I think is huge. Um, I know in, this, in Vermont, we've started a um, social injustice committee, um, similar to what's already been started at the national level with the NIAAA. Um, and we've had a lot of work uh, in each educational institution around here in the state around the social injustices and, and, and racial injustices. That's actually our focus this year as an association. Um, and it's our focus in a couple of weeks at our state conference, um, bringing in a couple of different speakers that can locally and nationally that can that can speak to this um, in terms of athletics and how we can help our athletes um, as a whole. Oh, uh, that's really
0: good to hear. Uh, and again, I know a lot of states have been doing that. so you know, keep us updated on how that develops in your state. You know, David, this has been great getting to know you and I'm excited to, that you're a, um, a, state coordinator. That means we'll be able to, uh, see each other in, uh, September, uh, at the yes. state coordinator conference in Indianapolis. Hopefully in person, we're not done yet. <laughs> not done yet. Uh, we always like to wrap up with what we call the athletic director's toolbox. We've already established that you're an experienced, uh, highly successful AD. But right now, I'm going to challenge you to send out a brand new athletic director on their very first job. But I'm only going to let you put three things in their toolbox. What three items are going to go in David Marlowe's athletic director
1: toolbox? Three items. Well, I think um, the first one would be patience because I think uh, that's extremely important in every aspect. You know, uh, probably a, um, a charger for your phone, a portable charger for your phone, because I feel like my phone and my wife can attest to this. My phone is going off all the time and trying to keep people updated and respond to those on a daily basis. She always asked before we go to event, you know, yesterday we had an Alpine ski race that we hosted for the state championships. And she asked, do you have your portable charger with you so your phone doesn't die? You know, I think, I think that's huge. You need a portable charger. It's more important than you realize, um, you know, it, it, big, big shoulders, I guess would be the third one, you know, it, Be willing to take on different adventures um, and be willing to try new things and pile those kind of on as you continue but also understand that anything you do is going to someone's not going to be happy with something you do and to not take it personal and to always have the you know the best of your athletes in mind in any decision making that you that you do Uh,
0: i love that big shoulders Uh, absolutely okay David Marlowe, Vermont. Uh, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. Yeah, thanks, Jake, for having me. If one of our listeners wants to reach out and pick your brain, what's the best way that they can get in touch with you?
1: Uh, I'm on Twitter, at MMU Cougar Nation, um, or you can always email me, um, David.Marlowe at MMUUSD.org. All right.
0: Thanks again for being on. For our listeners, remember the Zoom recordings of these interviews are being uploaded to the FIAA Educational AD Podcast YouTube channel. And until next time, uh, we hope you come back for another episode of the Educational AD.